Keith, you want this financial success so bad? Well, I'm going to tell you, even if you're saying to yourself, I'll give back when I can afford it, do it now. Do it right now because I'm going to tell you it's going to come faster and you're going to be happy. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with Wham Bam, Julie Lamb. You like that? I thought of that (laughs) this morning. (laughs) I was like, I got to work that into a show one time. Wham Bam, Julie Lamb. I'm going to announce myself that way when I get on shows now. Wham, there we bam, go. Julie, Lamb, what's up? I'm here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, how's yeah. it going today? Good. Excellent. Coming near to our time when we're about to leave on our trip. And yeah, excited. Our first stop is going to be Hawaii. And I'm just looking forward to getting into some warm weather. So yeah. How about you? What's, what's you over there in the Dickerson home? Not much. We're just settling back in after our road trip. And, you know, last week was a week of conferences. So AdWorld and then Scale It. And so just tons of new ideas. You know, that's what I love about being in business is you always have the opportunity if you seek it out to be a beginner. And I love that. And going into, you know, ad world, that's not my, I mean, I don't have a marketing or advertising background. I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants here. Really well though, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I got really the nice pants. (laughs) And just going into this world where people are, you know, they dial it down to the minutia of the data and the details. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these funnels are incredible. Incredible. I would have never have thought to do that and then scale it. We both went and just yeah. having these ideas just blow your mind around how to scale and run your business, which I know you had always wanted to have a business and yeah. I had never wanted to have a business. And now <laughs> I'm getting to that point. I feel like we're equalizing a little bit because uh-huh. I'm getting into that groove and sort of it's a fascinating world building a business. It's so much fun. I think you know, they always say like entrepreneurs love the thrill because it's like, you never know. And you know, what's going to happen and whether it's going to work or and how long it's going to work for and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so much fun, you know, building this business. And we're so lucky because we have each other to build the business together with, whereas a lot of other people, you know, it's so true. They say it's lonely at the top, right? It's like you get successful and you get more and more successful and soon you're more successful sometimes than the people around you. And so it's one of those things where it's so cool to have somebody to do it with, right? So we're Mm -hmm. super lucky. Yeah. Indeed. Well, speaking of entrepreneurship, we have an amazing entrepreneur on today's show, Rod Cleef. He's built dozens of businesses over the years. He's a multifamily real estate investor and syndicator. He's a business consultant. He's a high performance coach. You'll hear him talk a lot about mindset on the show. He's also the host of the podcast Lifetime Cashflow through real estate investing. And he is the creator of the Tiny Hands Foundation, which he'll talk a little bit about how he gives back through that foundation. He is just a wealth of knowledge. He's accomplished so many things, but not only that, he's had a roller coaster of a journey, right? And so people think entrepreneurship is so glamorous. You build this business and it's just, you see the cash rolling in. And in his story, he talks about how he started out that way. He started Mm -hmm. out with all the money coming in and then 2008 happened. He lost everything. And he really got his, you know what, handed to him. And then he realized, okay, I got to go about this a little bit differently, be a little bit smarter. And from there, he's done so much to visualize the exact life that he wants. And he's been able to bring it into reality, which is just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. That was the funnest part for me was see, he, he actually took out his like little journal where he like cut old school style, like cut and pasted from like magazines, like little pictures of, you know, the life that he wanted and the things that he wanted to have in his life. But the part that really got me was when he said that he was the swimming in the pool thing. And he was lying in this beautiful multi-million dollar home, waterfall coming down, all the things that he could have ever asked for, the amazing view. And he said he was more depressed than he had ever been like, and he said like, not even just like sad, but like literally so depressed. And 
that's what led him to wanting to give back to the community. And I feel like I can identify with that story to a certain degree where, you know, you're going to work every day and you're living your life and you're just not feeling that, that sense of like joy and accomplishment. It's like, why am I not where I need to be or feeling like I'm here? And he talks about the impact of giving back and how that really changed his life. And so that was a great part of the show for me. I know. I loved that part where he showed the binder and just, I I think what struck me was he said he gives gratitude for the things he has and Mm -hmm. he gives gratitude for the things he hasn't received yet in his life as if he already has them. And I took that away. I started doing that. And it's such a powerful exercise to operate from a place where you already have those things that you want and thinking about what that would be like, feeling that immense gratitude, and then thinking about how you can give back. So it's just a phenomenal show. So for all our listeners, buckle up. This is a really, really good one. And for all of our listeners who are, you know, who listen to this show and you're thinking real estate syndication, what's that? I want to get into that. So great place to start is with our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodeginvestments.com slash book. And with that, let's dive into our conversation with Rod Klee. Rod, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. We're going to have such a fun time today. It's great to meet you guys. And I guess we had touched base once before on social media, but it's wonderful to meet you in person. And I'm really looking forward to this episode. That's right. For our listeners, we were just talking about this before the show, how back before I had quit my W-2 job to go into real estate, Rod was one of the people I messaged on Facebook. And I was like, Rod, what do I do? Should I quit? Should I not? And he gave me some really great advice. So I'm excited to dig into all of your infinite wisdom today. Now, Rod, I remember back when I was first getting serious about real estate investing a few years ago, I listened to every real estate podcast I could get my earbuds on. (laughs) And when I heard your story, it really resonated with me how you had worked incredibly hard and saw incredible success early on, how you were able to build your dream home, this mansion on the beach that you described through all these podcast stories. But then you had this aha moment that wasn't actually what fulfilled you. So can you start by taking us back to how you got started in real estate and business in the first place and share with us the journey that led to that moment when you were floating in the pool and you realized that what you were chasing wasn't actually providing the fulfillment you were looking for? You bet. Well, I'm going to take you way back. So I immigrated. I'm an immigrant. I was born in the Netherlands in Holland, you know, wooden shoes, windmills. And I immigrated with my brother, Albert, my mother's Vancha. And I remember I have one memory of that. My mom crying when she saw the Statue of Liberty, because we actually took a boat into New York Harbor. We ended up in Denver, where I lived for 30 years. And we struggled. In fact, I remember we ate expired food. We drank powdered milk with our cereal in the morning. And I wore clothes in the Goodwill and the Salvation Army until I lied about my age when I was 14 and got a job at Burger King so I could buy my own clothes. And so we struggled. And you know, uh, luckily, my mom had an incredible work ethic. So she babysat kids so we'd have enough money to eat. And we always had a house full of kids. And she was also a bit of an entrepreneur. And with her babysitting money, not only did she invest in the stock market and make money, but she also bought the house across the street from us when I was about 14 uh, for about $30,000. And then a couple of years later, she told me she'd made $20,000 in her sleep. And I'm like, what? Screw college. Mom, I'm getting into real estate. So I actually got my real estate broker's license back then which you could do with education. Now they got smart. You need some experience before you can become a broker. I wasn't just an agent. I was actually a broker and I was going to be rich selling other people real estate. Well, my first year in real estate, I made about $8,000. My second year, I made about $10,000. But my third year, I made well over $100,000, which back in 1981 was pretty decent money. So what happened between year two and year three that caused me to 10X my income? What happened 
was I met a guy that taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology, how not truly 80 to 90% of your success in anything is just that, your mindset and your psychology. Only 10 to 20% is the mechanical information, real estate investing, entrepreneurship, whatever it is. And, you know, fast forward to today, I've owned a couple thousand houses that I've rented long-term. I mean, we bought 2,000 apartment units in the last two years. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And if you want to do the math on that- You beat out your mom by just a little bit. I beat out my mom, yeah. (laughs) If you want to do the math, it's a little over $8,000 an hour over the year on a 40-hour work week, which of course I did. And anybody that would hold still long enough, I was bragging about it. I thought I was a freaking real estate god. I could barely fit my head through a door. And you know how that happens? When that happens, sometimes God of the universe will give you a nice little smack. Well, that was 2008. I lost $50 million in 2008. I lost everything. And so, one of the things that I enjoy talking about, if you'll humor me, is the mindset it took to have $50 million to lose in the first place, but then as, or maybe even more importantly, the mindset it took to get back to the success that I'm blessed to have today. So, I'm happy to drill down on that a little deeper if you'd like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mindset is a big topic that we talk about here, especially, you know, a lot of the investors that we help are, you know, people who don't know a lot about real estate or people who haven't really dived into their finances or women are often intimidated by finances and real estate. So that mindset piece is huge. So please talk to us about how you got that mindset. Sure, sure. Well, really, it's kind of simple in a way in that it's knowing what it is you want and why you want it. One of the first things that I do at my boot camps, you know, I do these boot camps teaching multifamily like you guys do as well. And one of the first things we do is a goal setting workshop and it's really goal setting on steroids. So what I'd like to do is describe the process so you don't have to attend if you don't like, but I think it'll add value to your listeners. So if you're listening or watching and you've got a pen, I take some notes on this. So what you want to do is you want to pick an hour that you have a lot of energy. So you don't want to do it after a meal. You make sure you're well hydrated, drink a lot of water, and you're going to sit down and write down everything you could ever possibly want in life. Okay. All the stuff. Okay. There's nothing wrong with stuff. And so the houses, the cars, boats, jet skis, planes, jewelry, clothing, whatever it is, write it down. Write down how much money you want in the bank in three years. Write down how much money you want in the bank in 10 years. Write down how much cash flow you want from your investments, say in three years and in 10 years. And just write down everything you can think of. Write down all the things you want to do in this lifetime. You know, maybe you want to Uh, climb every mountain over 14,000 feet or jump out of a perfectly good airplane like I did a couple years ago, which I will never freaking do again. But whatever it is, write it down. What is it that you want to do? Write that down. Also write down, you know, the places you want to go, the places you want to visit. Like behind my green screen here, I've got vision boards. One of them is a travel vision board of the places I love. I want to go again and places I haven't been. So write down all the places you want to go, write down all the things you want to do. Also write down all the things you want to learn. Okay. If you want to learn a skill set, learn a foreign language, write that down. So it's not just the stuff. It's everything you want to do, be, or have. Also, you're going to write down all the things you want to learn. If you also write down who you're going to help, because as human beings, we'll do more for others than we'll ever do for ourselves. And you want to use this. Okay. This is the fuel that's going to get you to build that future that you deserve. So write down who you want to help. For example, I bought my parents a house here on a canal when my dad was alive. I took them on cruises, bought them a car. You know, who do you want to do things for? Write that down. Then once you can't think of another thing, I want you to look at this. And by the way, if you're analytical, don't stop and analyze your answers. You can always scratch them out later. Just keep writing until you can't think of another thing. Everything you can think of, big, little, everything. And by the way, I forgot to mention, this is hugely important. Take the lid off your brain. Imagine if you write it down, you're going to get it because there's truly nothing you can't do, be, or have. You just have to declare it. And because just by writing down your goals, what it does is it triggers something in your brain called your reticular activating system. And what that is, it's that subconscious filter. You're not aware of it consciously, but it points you in the direction that your brain subconsciously thinks you're interested in. And the greatest example is when you first buy a car, you never really notice them and then they're everywhere. Were they there before? Of course they were. And that's your reticular activating system. And the same thing works with your goals. So that's why it's so important not just to write them down once, you're going to reassociate with them on a regular basis as well. So anyway, 
you've got your goals written down. I want you to pick your number one goal. I mean, that goal that when you get it, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. That goal. You've arrived when you achieve that goal. Okay. Now, if there's two or three that are equally exciting, just pick one because it won't matter for what we're going to do next. Then I want you to also pick your top three one-year goals. Okay. So your number one goal, your top three one-year goals, just a couple more steps. Then once you've got those on a separate sheet of paper, leave a little room in between them. You're at this point, you're ahead of 99% of the people on the planet that'll do a New Year's resolution that's forgotten by February, right? I think about 70 to 80% of them are forgotten by February. But there's a couple more important steps because the goals are important. The goals will juice you. They'll drive you. They'll push you, pull you. But it's why those goals are a must that's the real fuel. So you need to write a paragraph under each goal why it absolutely has to happen. So, and I'm going to encourage you to use emotionally charged words. Words are incredibly powerful if you use them. Words like beautiful and amazing and incredible, you know, and you might write so that I can show my wife or husband what amazing success looks like. So I can show my kids the pathway to incredible success or, you know, whatever's going to juice you. So you're going to write down why it has to happen. And you might say, so we have the freedom, the freedom to do whatever we want, go wherever we want, bring whoever we want, do it whenever we want. You know, again, whatever's going to juice you to take action. So write that down. And then once you've got a positive reason why underneath each goal, just one more tiny step. And I want you to put some pain in there if you don't achieve the goals, okay? And make it hurt, make it painful. So I don't feel like a failure. So I don't fail my children. So I don't fail my husband or wife, you know, so I don't live a life of regret. Here's why. And I know this sounds harsh, but here's why. Because as human beings, we'll do more to avoid pain than gain pleasure. And you want to use this. This is the fuel to get your butt out of bed early, get, stay up late, do whatever it takes to, you know, work a few years like most people won't so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. This is the fuel. And so, you know, put some pain in there. And there was a nurse in Australia, a hospice nurse that uh, counseled patients at the end of their lives. And she asked him a question. And the question was, do you have any regrets? She wrote a book about it. It's called The Five Regrets of Dying. Then you know what the number one regret was? It was not living the life I could have lived, living someone else's life, not doing what I know I'm capable of. Guys, that sounds horrific to me. So hopefully this will inspire you to not have that happen to you. So Again, put your positive, negative reasons why. And then the last thing I want to tell you is you need to associate with these goals. So you want to get pictures of them. I'll give you some examples of this. You also want to make declarations. So let me give you a couple of public examples. Jim Carrey, when he was flat broke, wrote himself a check for $10 million. He used to go up by the Hollywood sign and he would look at it and visualize cashing it. And that's how much money he made for Dumb and Dumber. Another more recent example is Demi Lovato. When she was unheard of 10 years ago, posted on social media, I'm going to sing the national anthem in the Super Bowl. Not this last one, the one before. Go see who sang the national anthem in it. Now, I'll give you some personal examples for me. When I was 18, you know, I got my real estate broker's license. I was going to be rich selling other people's houses. So I got a four-door car. I figured I had to have a four-door car. So I got this bone-ugly Ford four-door Granada, bench seat in the front, real piece of you-know-what. And But I worked with a guy that had a couple of Corvettes, and he let me drive one. And I'm like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. So I got a picture of a Corvette out of a magazine. This is before anybody thought of the internet. And I put that picture of the Corvette on the visor of my Granada. So every time I sat in it, it was right there in my face. Within a year or two, I had one. Now I'm going to give you a couple other examples. Please know this is not me bragging, okay? In fact, these things don't really interest me anymore. I want to use them to tell you what's possible to hopefully inspire you, those of you listening. Okay. So this is back when the TV show Magnum P.I. was out and the actor's name was Tom Selleck. He was a detective in Hawaii, I think. It was the first time I'd seen an exotic car. So he had this Ferrari 308 and I'm like, oh my God, look at that thing. Red, just gorgeous. So I got a picture of that actual car and I put it on the visor of my Corvette. Within a year or two, I had a Maserati look just like it. Last example. I'm the guy that always wanted a Lamborghini. I had posters in my bedroom growing up with the Lamborghinis. And what's funny is my son, when he was nine years old, he collected exotic car models. He had about 30. And I actually had the model in one of the other buildings here in my compound. And I have a model. He had a model of the exact same color and style I ended up getting, which I ultimately wrecked, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is these things work. In fact, let me show you something. This is my planner. I'm a dinosaur. I use a paper planner. In the back of this thing, I've got pictures. And I forgot to mention this. 
I forgot to mention something really important. You talked about floating in the pool. I forgot to mention that house. You know, when you're doing your goals, again, take the lid off your brain because back then when I was 18, I knew I wanted to live on the beach, but it was, you know, there's no beach in Denver and I would visualize the palm trees and the surf and the waves and, and all of that. And 20 years later, I built this $8 million mansion on the beach. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, just magnificent home, giant waterfall from the second floor balcony into the pool, you know, wine cellar, elevator. I mean, I could go on and on. On second floor, there was a giant spiral staircase up in the middle of the house. On the second floor, there was an aquarium that, that I had custom made wrapped around the staircase that cost me almost 200 grand. So that gives you an idea of the house. But anyway, back to my examples of pictures. But again, that was unthinkable when I was 18, but I visualized I made it happen. So I just want to, I forgot to mention that when you're doing your goals, don't limit yourself for God's sakes. But anyway, so I've got pictures in the back of my planner here that have been in here for 20 years. Now, the first pictures of pictures are my gratitude pictures. They're pictures of my kids when they were very young. You may not think this is important. This is the whole enchilada here. Everything comes from gratitude. Okay, if you want to manifest anything in your life, you do it through gratitude. So these are pictures of my kids when they were young or things that are important to me. Then I've got pictures of the stuff that I wanted. Now, what's interesting is this top picture looks just like the house that I built on the beach. I had 10 foot high glass like that, but together travertine floors. And I lost that house and all the craziness. Okay, you know, 2008 crash and divorce, all this stuff. And I lost it all. I live in a compound now. And I have six buildings. I've got a, a big main house. I've got a two-bedroom guest house on the water. My daughter's in there right now. I've got a media building with a video studio that we built because I've had to take my boot camps online, obviously. And because God's got a sense of humor, I can see my old house across the bay. It's literally right across the bay of my backyard. I'm not kidding. It's hilarious. But what's interesting is you see these bottom pictures, you see the walls in those pictures, you can see the white walls in both those pictures. Okay, this behind me is my backyard. That's my green screen. See the wall? Is that freaking crazy? Guys, you manifest this stuff, you know, and then I've got other things here like watches. I've got a few hundred thousand dollars worth of watches. You know, the Lamborghini before I ever got it, the Rolls Royce, the Bentley, all stuff that I thought was important, but I got it because I had pictures, okay? So the point is, get the pictures, put them around you, manifest this stuff. I've got vision boards behind me here now. You know, my kids come and help me at my boot camps when I was doing them live and people come up to them and say, you know, does he really do that stuff? Does he really encant and do affirmations and have vision boards? And they're like, yes, we had to go through all that when we were young. And yes, because it works, it freaking works. So I know some of you analytical ones, I've lost you, but I'm here to tell you, big mistake. Because again, this is 80 to 90% of it. The mechanics, listen, you just have to take action and you take one step, the next step will be revealed. That's the bottom line. So anyway, I'm off my soapbox, ladies, please take it away. Yeah, no, I love all of that. I'm such a huge believer in manifesting what you want. I myself made a declaration five years ago that I was going to quit my job. Husband was going to quit his job and that we were going to be traveling the world and, you know, spending all this time with our family and everything. And we're about to do that in like three weeks and Boom. it's less than five years. Oh, and it's that's so, so awesome. Amazing. How, that's when so you awesome. put it out to the universe, that the universe will deliver back to you, what you, whatever it is that you ask for. So I'm so glad that you're putting it out there because I don't know that we've talked about it, you know, this much in this much detail on the show and how it really works. So I love that. I love that you shared all of that. I do want to move a a little bit because you mentioned something that you've purchased over 2000 units in the last two years, 2000 yeah. apartment units. So I want to transition a little bit into that on the show. We talk a little bit about inspirational stories and then kind of the <coughs> other half of our show is more strategy type stuff. A lot sure. of our listeners are passive investors or investors mm -hmm. that are looking to build and grow their wealth. So talk to us a little bit about how you got started in the apartment space one, and then want to know kind of you know, what do you think it takes to get into apartment investing, sure, sure. either as active or passive or both? Sure. Can I just close the loop on that last conversation? Because yes, absolutely. Annie had asked me to talk about something that I didn't get to yet, which yes. was floating in the pool. So let me just mention that <laughs> real quick. And then, then I'll go right into answering your question. Yes. So what you brought up, Annie, you'd heard me interviewed before. It was a huge moment in my life where I built that house on the beach that I was talking about. I mean, it was magnificent. I mean, I owned the beach on one side. I had my boat houses on the backside. And two months after I moved in, my family's inside sleeping. This is two months. I worked for this thing for 20 freaking years. Two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool, giant waterfall coming. 
you know, pool was in magazines. It was a spectacular because I had these special trees put in and all this stupid stuff. But anyway, I'm floating in the pool and I'm looking up at this testament to my ego, which is really what it was. I built this thing to prove to the world I was good enough. Like we all have stuff happen to us when we're growing up, playground stuff and things that impact us negatively, bullies and stuff. And I had a lot of that because I didn't speak English. And so I built this thing to prove the world I mattered. And it's embarrassing to admit that, but it's the truth. And I'm looking up at this thing. And I got really depressed. And I'm like, what the hell? This is two months after I moved in. What's going on? I've just achieved success like times 10,000 and I'm depressed. And I mean, I was really bummed. It's not some like little thing. And so I'm like, what the heck's going on? And, and what I realized is there were three things happening. First of all, and this ties into the goals that we just talked about. You shouldn't achieve a big goal without having other big goals lined up behind it. Like the book says, without a vision, the people perish. You need a vision for the future. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. So that's number one. But number two is, it's never about the goals. You need the goals to pull you and to push you, but it's it, happiness doesn't come from the goals. You know, they say, what's the happiest days of a boat owner's life? The day he buys the boat and the day he sells it, because it's never about the goals. It's about who you become and happiness comes from progress and growth. Okay. So that's two. But the big thing was, I'd been totally focused on me. Show the world I matter. Prove the world I'm good enough. And so I went out and bought some books because, you know, I'm going to fix this thing. I'm not the guy that's going to go lay on a couch and talk about my problems, even though I did do that after my divorce. But anyway, I digress. But the point is, I was going to get back. So I went out and bought Dale Carnegie and Zig Ziglar and, and a Tony Robbins book. And I got about halfway through Tony's book. And I'm like, man, I like this guy. This is 20 years ago. And so I went and saw him live. And I mean, forget the fact that I followed him around the planet for the next 20 years. He's had a huge impact on my life. And if you have a chance to see him speak, just do it. Trust me, you'll thank me. But I found out that he fed families for the holidays. And I'm like, hmm, what a concept. Do something for someone else instead of just for Rod. And I'm embarrassed to say I had to be 40 to get that memo. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll go back and I'll feed some families. And so I flew to Denver and I grabbed my brother and we went to his church. We, we asked him who really needs help. We got five families and we went out and bought food and this was for Thanksgiving. We do it for Christmas now, but we bought frozen turkeys and roasting pans and, and we found out if they had kids and we got toys for the kids and we just had a ball buying this stuff, number one. But then the third family changed my life. We went up to this row house. If you've ever been in an urban setting where you've got these, like maybe there's four units next to each other and they're not even one bedrooms, they're crappy one bedrooms because you got to walk through the living room through the bedroom to get to the kitchen, which has the bathroom off of it. So they're crappy one bedrooms. Anyway, this lady's in there with five kids. She comes out and she sees these boxes of food and toys on the porch and she starts crying. And then her kids come out, the older ones start crying and I start crying and I'm freaking hooked. And I'm blessed to say that in the last 20 years now, we have fed 100,000 kids here in Sarasota and Bradenton. I'm not telling you this to brag, please. I'm, there's a message here and I'll tell it to you in a second. But you know, I've done tens of thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to give local kids. It's astounding to me. We live in the greatest freaking country on earth and they don't have the basic supplies they need for school. You know, don't get me started. You know, we do tens of thousands of teddy bears to local police departments for their officers to keep in vehicles when they encounter a child that's been traumatized. And Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. I was achieving, but I wasn't fulfilled. And so what I want to encourage you, those of you listening, we've been taught to believe that we have to achieve to be happy. I'm going to tell you, when you give back, even in a small way, you're happily achieving. And you're not only are you going to get to the success faster because that's just the way God or the universe works. Whatever you give, you get back. Trust me, it works. You don't do it for that reason, though. But trust me, if you're not giving back, and maybe you're listening to this and you've got blood dripping from your teeth, you want this financial success so bad, well, I'm going to tell you, even if you're saying to yourself, I'll give back when I can afford it, do it now. Do it right now because I'm going to tell you it's going to come faster and you're going to be happier. We'll get back to our conversation with Rod in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. 
We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Rod Cleef. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Thank you for allowing me to close that loop. And now let's talk about real estate. We need a transition song or something. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. So why did I get into real estate? Well, to me, it was like a duh. I mean, you know, I'm able to buy houses and, and apartments and, and I could rent them for 2% of what I paid for them back then. You know, 20 grand rent for 400 bucks a month. It's like, why isn't everybody doing this? Then I realized I don't pay any taxes because of all the incredible benefits with real estate. So the why is kind of a duh. I mean, it's like, you know, if you're not, you know, there's a reason that 90% of the world's millionaires either made their money in real estate or invest in real estate for the tax benefits. So that's kind of a clue. That's what we call a clue. So that's the why. Okay. The why is the most important piece. Actually, let me give you the most important answer to that is I freaking love it. And those of you listening, if you don't love real estate, then I'm going to suggest that you associate pleasure with it. I tell my students, equate it to hunting for buried treasure. And I'm kind of proud of this. My students are approaching 45,000 doors owned, and I've only been teaching under four years. So I'm really proud of that statistic. But the point is, if you don't love it, learn to love it. You can associate pleasure with it and learn to love it. But then here's the caveat. If you can't learn to love it, then for God's sakes, go do something else. Life is too freaking short. So that's the why. Okay. So the how, what was the second part of the question, Julie? Forgive me. So why did you get into real estate? And then tell us a little bit about the passive. So we've got a lot of passive investors. Mm -hmm. I think we probably have some folks who are considering moving over to being an active investor and want to know kind of like how you got into moving from maybe single family homes into multifamily. Mm -hmm. What is that process? Great question. I think there's a lot of people that want to know, how do I make that transition? Maybe they've bought five, 10, 20 houses, but they want to make that transition. So tell them about that. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm the poster child for moving from single family to multifamily. And here's why. I've owned 2000 houses that I've rented long term. Okay. I'm a slow study. It took me a while to get the memo that I should have just done multifamily. Here's why. When I crashed and burned in 2008, it was because of my single family. I had 800 houses. And I'll explain why I crashed and burned here in a second, because I was only at a 30% loan to value. I only owed 30 cents on the dollar and I still crashed and burned. But what's interesting is throughout that crash, my multifamily did just fine. I had apartment Mm -hmm. complexes. And if I had not cross collateralized them with packages of houses, I'd still own those apartment complexes. And so the reason that I crashed and burned was, first of all, I live in Florida and Florida has no state income tax. So our property taxes are higher, which impacts what? Cash flow right? Mm-hmm. And that the name of my podcast is Lifetime Cash Flow because I finally got the memo after losing $50 million. And by the way, I'm real proud of this as well. We're about to hit 11 million downloads, which just blows my freaking mind. Wow. But anyway, so nice. uh, property taxes impacts cash flow. I also had properties in wind and flood zones, which impacts what? Cash flow, right? The insurance mm-hmm. is high. But right. what killed me was the logistics. 
And this is why I love multifamily. See, if I sent a maintenance guy to one of my apartment complexes, everything's the same. So you can stockpile parts, plumbing, electrical, appliance parts, door locks, window locks, everything. You stockpile them and, and you know, guy can be in and out in an hour. Well, if I had to send a guy to one of my houses that's an hour and a half one way, they've got to go see what's wrong. Every house is different. Then they've got to go find a Home Depot or a Lowe's where you have an account. That could be an hour round trip. And yeah. I don't know about you. You guys probably don't. Well, maybe you rolled your you rolled your sleeves up because <laughs> you're in real estate. But whenever I go to Home Depot and go fix something, inevitably I have to go back because yeah. my knucklehead forgot something. There's that one anyway. screw <clears throat> that you left out. Thank yeah. you, thank you. <laughs> yes, so, always. So, you know, maintenance guys are no different. And what would take an hour at one of my apartment complexes took all day at one of my 800 houses, and that killed me. Okay, mm-hmm. but here was the coup de grace. I wasn't paying attention to demographics. I had single family houses. I don't care where you work so much. Just pay the rent. You know, if your credits, you know, as long as you haven't got a lot of evictions and stuff. Most of my tenants were contractors, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, painters, roofers, which fell off a freaking cliff in 2008. They didn't have work. And so, you know, and then when you want to hear something crazy, I was at a 30% loan to value. I went upside down. My portfolio actually dropped more than 70% here in Florida. It's like ground zero. So anyway, that's why I crashed and burned. And that's why I started my podcast was to get that message out there. If you're going to buy and hold for God's sakes, do multifamily. If you're going to, you know, do residential real estate. Now, listen, as it relates to your question around passive investing, passive investing is a fantastic way to get started in this business. You know, we syndicate Mm -hmm. deals, you guys syndicate deals, and we make it a real point, me probably more than most, to educate our passive investors as they come into our deals. Because a lot of them want to ultimately, well, not a lot, but some want to ultimately do it actively. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they can see behind the scenes. Like last time we did, last deal we closed in Texas, we had 20 of our investors there helping us with the due diligence, just walking through it literally 20 of them. We divided and conquered. We had a lot of fun with it. But the point is, it's a great way to, first of all, build your resume because then when you're talking to a broker, you can tell them you're you're invested in X number of doors. It's a little surreptitious because you're not the GP, but that doesn't matter. You know, at least you've got a little bit of credibility and you're going to have to fake it till you make it on your first deal anyway. So, unless mm-hmm. you align with somebody that's done it. But- mm-hmm. So it helps with your resume, number one. Number two, you get the, again, that behind the scenes look. And, you know, if you align with a good operator, it's a fantastic way to to get started. Now, the other thing is, candidly, you can actually get a little bip off the interest rate if you've been invested in a deal as well. The banks will look at it and give give you a break on your first deal. So it's a great way to get started if you want to start passively. Now, a lot of people go right into doing it actively. Anyway, I don't know if I answered you, any questions. There, yeah, but. no, that was awesome. You mentioned something, <clears throat> if you partner up with a good operator, mm-hmm. can you help us help define what does that mean for maybe somebody who's just getting into syndication or they're thinking, what does a good operator mean to, to Rod? Right. Or Well, it just so <laughs> happens I have a free resource here. Hold on, let me find it and I'll answer. I'll listen. Here we go. Questions to ask a general partner before you get into syndication. If your listeners want this, they can just text partnership to 72345 if they're in the United States. And it's a list of about 50, uh, it's almost 60 questions. But questions like, you know, who are the sponsors or KPs in the deal? What's their experience? How long have they been doing real estate? Do they have any construction experience? What's their target market? What's their investment criteria? You know, they have any investors they can provide as references. Are they going to have an operating reserve? Hope they are in this market. How do they stress test? What's their business plan? What's their hold time? What's their CapEx budget? And on and on. So, I mean, literally, I've got 50, 60, almost 60 questions here. And again, if you want to text partnership to 72345, we'll get it to you. There's no sales piece to this. It's just a free resource. You know, what CPA firm are you working with? How do you communicate with your investors? How often do you do uh, distributions? You know, how do you manage your cash flow? What third-party property management company are you working with? Have you worked with them before? Okay. So I mean, short I, answer is there isn't one, there isn't really no. one thing that makes an operator good, right? There's like a oh, whole no, no, ton no. of things. A whole you have bunch to of questions about, you want right? to ask. You need to check them out. You absolutely need to check them out. In fact, I just got a call from, I uh, was uh, having my mastermind and somebody messaged me and said, told me about this operator that's doing a capital call and having problems and oh, no. a well-known operator. And I was really disappointed yeah. to hear it. They were very frustrated with this guy. And I think there's going to be, you know, there's, listen, real estate goes through cycles, right, ladies? I mean, mm-hmm. I've been to, through three of them. I can tell you some stories about, you know, crashes that I've been through besides that big one in 08 and 09. I did mm-hmm. one in the late 80s. And, you know, to think that it 
you know, it's not going to pull back again is naive. And I'm going to tell you, there've been some skinny deals done these last couple of years. Deals where oh, yeah. we're in the best and final. We're like, holy crap, I believe they paid that for it. They're not a REIT. They've got a right. cost of funds. So what is going on here? And so, you know, I think there could be a little bit of a reckoning at some point, but. So that would lead me to my next question that I was going to ask you, because you've been through three cycles. What do you see coming up here in the next year to three years? I mean, are we at the top? Are we not at the top? We're seeing a lot of the same things. We're putting offers on properties and then they're going for millions over the number where we could barely make the deal pencil. So right. where do you, right. how can this kind of continue? Can it continue? Is it market specific? What are, give us your Well, insight. certainly there's a geographic component for sure. Mm -hmm. That said, it's, there's, there's gotta be a correction. I did a YouTube video. I don't know if you guys put these on YouTube, by the way, if you don't, you should. Cause I, I just do. found out my YouTube videos were watched for 40,000 hours last year. Nice. Blown away. Yeah. Cause just by putting our podcast <laughs> episodes out there, but anyway, yep. I did a YouTube video on the coming real estate crash of 2021. I was a little ahead of my time. Okay. Granted, I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> this year, but it was my highest watched one. I think it's like 80, 90,000 views, which isn't a lot on the YouTube world, but in our little multifamily microsome, right. it's not too bad. But anyway, I think that there are a lot of things happening. I think the current political environment is going to really screw things up. They're talking about eliminating the 1031 exchange. Good God, what he's thinking. And some of these taxation ideas they're coming up with are just the dumbest thing ever. Don't get me started on that. But the point is, I think they are going to cause, a, I think this administration is going to cause the crash based on what they're doing. And if not, we're definitely going to have inflation. And so, you know, so, but inflation is kind of interesting because it's got a silver lining to it if you own real estate, because when prices go up, so do rents. And right. if you've got your debt locked in, you know, you could benefit from inflation. I know it mm -hmm. sounds crazy, but you could. Yep. So who knows how it's going to shake out? I wish I knew I'd be a billionaire, but I do believe, you know, I'm in a lot of cash right now by design because mm -hmm. I will tell you, whenever there's a correction, there's an exponential opportunity. You know, if I had oh, yeah. been hiding under a rock when 09 hit, I would have been on the back <laughs> of my yacht right now because it was an incredible <laughs> opportunity. So, you know, so it's not something to fear. It's something mm -hmm. to prepare for. It's something to oh, anticipate yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, expect. It's like the seasons of the weather. You know, right now we've been in summer for a long time. Yeah. And I think we could be in fall actually, but mm -hmm. who knows? I wish I knew. I, I hope I'm able to to buy a few more assets before, well, who knows? Because when, when it happens, there'll be, like I said, there'll be incredible opportunity if yeah. and when it happens. And it may not. I mean, you know what? I'm, my kids love to tell me, are you tired of being wrong? Because I'm wrong all the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question before we move on. Tell us about COVID. What has the impact on the, on the apartments that you own, on your strategy moving forward? Tell on my ability that. to talk today. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, because I, like I was telling you guys, I just literally got over it. I'm in day nine <sighs> and my wife is in bed and has been and Poor COVID thing. sucks. So I just, yeah. just got to tell you, it is no fun. And I used to make fun of people in with their freaking masks and especially in their cars by themselves, <laughs> but no more fun of anybody because, uh, you know, it was no fun. But, you know, listen, it has, you know, it has impacted our C-class assets more than our mm. A and B assets, but we've been okay. You know, it hasn't been that bad. We've got a couple of assets where we've got some people that we're trying to help get their hands on that federal funding, but, and there's some deadbeats out there taking advantage of it. You're going to mm -hmm. have that, but I tell my students to avoid D-class assets or C-minus assets because, you know, those are the ones that are getting killed. Except, you know, obviously in the blue states that are really anti-landlord that, you know, forgetting that if you've got a D asset, those are the professionals that'll do everything they can to get right. out of paying rent. And, you know, you just don't want that brain damage. I've had those assets. I've had assets where they, I bought the, the whole street and they blocked off the street to slow down the drug traffic, not to end it, just to slow it oh down. My God. You, know, you don't want that brain damage. Cut a hole in the front door to pass the crack through. Yeah, no, you oh don't want God. that. So stay away from D assets. So what we like is we like, you know, A, B and C assets in A and B areas. That's really mm -hmm. our MO. And I'm sure that's yours as well. Yeah. And it's good to hear. I think it's important for the listeners to hear that, you know, the impact hasn't been that bad. It's been mm -hmm. the same for us across our portfolio. And it really depends on the types of assets that you're buying and to make sure that you're careful about that. Multifamily is incredibly resilient. Even after yeah. the 2008, nine crash, within three years, rents ex had exceeded pre-crash levels within three years. 
And so, you know, again, if I hadn't cross collateralized in my infinite wisdom to save 50 basis points, a half a percent interest, uh, putting packages of houses <laughs> with these apartments, I still have those apartments. So, yeah. you know. Everything happens for a reason, Rod, and you wouldn't be here sitting, talking with us and inspiring everyone in our audience you know, had you not gone through that. So love your story. All right. We're going to transition and we're going to move into the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round, where we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now? And I know there's many, but what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Well... I make it a point to go find my wife because I work here at home. I to go find my wife about every couple of hours and grab her and love on her. And, and I don't just say, hey, I love you. Oh, hey, I love you. No, I grab her face and I say, no, I don't think you understand. I freaking love you. And I connect with her in that moment. And so I do that. I take time to go outside and walk. You know, we've got two acres here on the water. It's spectacularly beautiful and inspiring and serene. And so I spend time out there. And, you know, I spend time every morning manifesting the things that I want. So I'll sit in this recliner behind me. And by the way, there's some of the hundreds of thank you cards. You can't even see them all. They're behind the oh green screen here God. from students that have sent me in the last four years whose lives wow. have been impacted. In fact, I just got a letter. I just got a letter from a guy today. This doctor said, hey, I, I went to your, uh, can I just brag for a minute? Do yeah, you yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So, so I just got this writing to say thank you and follow up on your request for success stories from your students. I rolled in your boot camp. Two months after enrolled, I found an off-market 196 unit, closed on it last Thursday, 11 million. We've got another 340 unit under contract. I'm not gonna give you his name. His name's Frank, but, but he's a dentist. But wow. I mean, you know, and you know, you talk about doing what you love, and I'm sure you guys get this kind of oh, feedback yeah. as well. It's oh, like yeah. it's it's like I'm addicted. Truly, I'm oh, addicted. Yeah. Like I'm here I am. I should be in bed, honestly, because I'm I'm still at about 70%, maybe. Yeah. You heard me coughing. And but I love this so much that you know, here I am. But anyway, I, I don't remember what wall, the question was. Right? Oh, that, that wall. wall. Yeah, yeah. Your oh. new Lamborghini, right? <laughs> no, like the no, feeling no, no. that you that's get. My, yes, that, like, yes, that's yeah. that's why I live my life. And yes. anyway, what I was going to show you is those vision boards on the floor back there. You can kind of see them on yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every morning, what I'll do is I'll sit and I'll just do gratitude. I'll do gratitude yeah. for my amazing, beautiful wife. She's spectacularly beautiful, more beautiful on the inside than the outside. I'll do gratitude for my kids, for my students, for my foundation. But then I'll do gratitude for the things that I want as if I already have them. And I'm going to lose some yeah. of the analytical ones on this, but I'm just telling yeah. you, this is how I got 50 million to lose. This is how I got back to what I have today. So it yeah. freaking works. <laughs> But I do mm -hmm. gratitude and I get emotional sometimes being grateful for things I don't even have yet. Okay. Yeah. Because it freaking works. So again, poo-poo it at your peril. Anyway, I, that was a long answer to your question, but I love it. Despite all your success, still have the ability to go outside and walk the grounds and appreciate everything that you have. Because I think all too often sometimes people will get to a certain level of success and look around and not feel appreciative or grateful for the things around them and feel like it's still not enough. And let me share something feeling. real quick. You know, I told you I'm about 11 million downloads. I've interviewed mega millionaires, a couple billionaires. And I can tell if they're like I was before I had my epiphany. And some of them are real good at hiding it. But if I can see yeah. that narcissism yep. or I can see that need yeah. to prove oneself. Yeah, I feel sorry for them because they're yeah. not successful. They may have that financial success, but they're unfulfilled. They're unhappy. Yep. I just, yep. I can see it because it was me. Oh yeah. Yep. So yeah. I know. Anyway. I know what you mean. Love it. Love it. Okay. Second question is what is one life or money hack that you might be able to share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now? Whew, more than I just gave, huh? Let's yeah. See. <laughs> Come on, um, Ron. You got well, one I, I will tell here. you. Yeah. You know, again, of course, giving back, you, you've got to do it. I said that you've got to manifest these things. You've got to decide what you want, why you want it. Life or money hack. Or an investing well, listen, hack. Listen, my most successful students are the ones that are willing to do what others won't. If you're willing to there do what go. others won't, success is inevitable. Like when I first started buying houses in Denver, I would go knock on doors of people in foreclosure and I'd say, hey, and I'd put love on my face. And I'd say, hey, I know you're having some trouble. Let me see if I can help. I bought 500 houses that way. And, and, you know, who does that? Well, I did and it worked. I've got students that knocked on doors and they, they're, you know, made millions over it. And so there's a hack. Just, just yeah. being willing to do what others won't. You know, my son, he's cold calling all business owners for roofing in Denver. And again, he hated it when he started, but now he's going to have his, he's going to be the best salesman up there. He's going to come work with me nice. too now, thank God. But uh, anyway, 
Again, <laughs> being willing to do what others won't, I think, is really important. And, and being a problem solver, putting on your problem solver hat. Most deals have some hair on them. They're a little bit, yeah. there's some challenges. And if you can look at them and look at ways to make them work, you can put deals together that other people hadn't right. thought of if you're willing to be creative and innovative. Yeah, that was what I was going to add on top of that is, well, you know, be willing to think in ways and think about things in ways that other people don't as well, I think is a nice compliment to, you know, willing to do what others don't want to do. So I love that. Look at Airbnb and Uber. There's some people that thought in different ways, right? (laughs) Yep. 100%. 100%. All right. Third question and last question. What is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Well, I've showed you a few besides, you know, the foundation. You know, it's funny. This yeah. there was they found this toddler waddling on a six-lane highway here in Sarasota. It's been about a year oh now, God. but it's, they didn't know who the parents were. They found the parents after a few hours, but there was a picture in the newspaper, and the kid had one of our bears in his arms. And it was the first time had been that initiative had been validated for us. So, you know, I think the things we're doing there oh. are really important. But I'll tell you, I get more out of these thank yous, like the, the one I just got yeah. in the mail today, you know, and these cards and I get gifts every day. Now, this is, please know this is not ego, but every day I probably get at least 10 things of love, thanking oh. me, whatever, 10, either DMs, emails, gifts, cards, mail, you name it. Wow. And, and I mean, you know, it's addicting. I just absolutely freaking love it. I, I never thought I would love teaching like I love teaching because uh-huh. I used to be an introvert. I'm the guy who wouldn't raise his hand in class or anything. And I just absolutely love it. And I, you know, Tony Robbins talks about these six human needs. And if you meet some of them at a high level, you're addicted. Well, mm-hmm. you know, let me just tell you what they are real quick. So now that I threw that out there, there's, yeah. there's, a, need, there's a need to feel significant. You have to feel important. Okay. So obviously I feel important. There's a need to feel certain to know that, you know, the roof's not going to fall in. Certainty, that's yeah. another need. God's got a sense of humor. So another one is uncertainty, surprise. That's the one I struggle with the most with my wife. I want to surprise her and shake things up a little bit. Then there's love and connection. Not just yeah. like, like I told you, I grab her face and I connect, you know, yeah. uh, love and connection. And the last one is, and then there's growth, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a relationship. If the person feels like they're growing in the relationship, then that's, that's a human need. They also, contribution. You need to contribute to them, but you also need to allow them to contribute to you. Almost all of those are met at a high level for me with this business. And so anyway, I know I went off down a side road there, but anyway, thanks for humoring me. Love it. Rod, your story is an absolute inspiration. I think I I speak for Julie and for all of our listeners that through everything that you've shared today, not only provided a ton of value, but you've also shown us your heart and your compassion and your genuine authenticity through everything that you do from investing to family, to helping others, to helping your students. So I am sure that our listeners are going to want to follow up with you and learn more. So what's the best place that they can go to connect with you? Well, my podcast is, you know, seems to be pretty well received, but if you go to real estate with Rod, that's my domain is rodcleef.com, but nobody can spell my name. So if you go to real estate with Rod, it connects to it. And I've got tons of free resources there, books and articles and videos and tons of free resources there. You know, if you want to learn this business, you know, and like you guys, I do boot camp, So if you can check that out there as well, absolutely love this business, love talking about it, love doing what we just did here. And thank you for allowing me the gift of being able to add some value to you guys and your listeners. Rod Cleef, multifamily real estate investor and syndicator, business consultant, high performance coach, host of the podcast Lifetime Cashflow through real estate investing and creator of the Tiny Hands Foundation. Rod, thank you so much for being here with us and our listeners and sharing your infinite wisdom with us. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 